Our moms have to put up with a lot of stuff, don't they? Hey, if you have your outline, I want to invite you to grab that message outline. We're going to be studying God's Word together. And um, in preparation for this Mother's Day, I wanted to preach a, a message that, is, um, that would be encouraging to moms, but would also be encouraging to all of us, but, but especially through the lens of what motherhood is all about. And I began to think about my mom. Now, I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, and um, I was the third of four, okay? So I had an older brother who was 10 years older than me, an older sister seven years older than me. Then I came around, and then something happened by accident, I guess, eight years later, and then another one came. And um, there were four of us, and boy, we lived in a rambunctious house. We were a competitive crew. We couldn't play Monopoly together or things would break out in a fight. That was our home, you know. But when I think about my mom, one of the things that I, I thought about my mom is that the, the woman she was when I was born and when I was young was definitely changed over the years. My mother was not the same per- is not the same person now and was, is, was not the same person even in my high school years and my college years that she was when I was young. And I don't mean that she looked older. I don't mean that she just got older. I mean she changed. My mother changed. And um, she began to study her Bible more in front of us. She began to talk differently and walk differently. And what's interesting is, if you know my story, you know that my father was not a Christ follower. My father was certainly the re- not the reason we went to church. My mother took us to church. And really, all that I have spiritually, all that I became in, in my relationship with Christ, came as a result of my mother beginning uh, to do things for her children, to have certain values and certain longings, certain pursuits after God. Now, she would tell you that she was not a perfect mom, and I guess every mom would say that, right? There's never been a perfect one. But when I think about her journey, I think about a person who really grew. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, growth, growing. What does that really look like? And you'll notice the title of the sermon today is Growing a Deep Soul. When I started thinking about motherhood and, and what moms are all about, I started thinking about some of the deepest core values that you and I have, or let's say it differently, deepest core desires that we all want. You know, if you thought about what the, at the heart of yourself, what is your deepest, most core desire, I think we would all agree, number one, would be we want to love well and we want to be loved. That's at the core of who we are. I think another thing that we have that's a kind of a core desire is that we all want to belong to something that really matters. And, um, and then a third one that, that occurred to me, is that every one of us, when we want to know that at the end of the day, whatever we've offered, whatever we've brought to the table, it really mattered. That, that what you did with your life really counted. I guess that's the legacy question, right? When I'm all said and done, will what, I had, what, what I've done with what I had, will it really have mattered? At the core of all of that are these desires that God puts inside of us. Now, I want you to think about this. When you were growing up, we all wanted to be the biggest, baddest, best thing that we could ever be, right? We all had these goals of great human achievement. We're going to accomplish great, great things. Now, the truth of the matter is, when, if they're related with human achievement, all of us at some point, nothing wrong with big dreams, but all of us at some point are probably not going to accomplish all those phenomenal things, right? I mean, if I told you today that I want, you know, I was going to, I was, I was going to be president of the United States, or I was going to be, you know, a, a ballerina on the, at, uh, you know, on the Metropolitan, you go, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. You know, even if I aspired to that greatness long, a long time ago. Now, here's the point. So many people aspire to do so many great human things. But what I want to talk to you about today, maybe the most, the greatest thing that you could do with your life to leave a, leave a legacy for your family and for the family that will come after you. It's growing a deep soul. You know, it's not the kind of thing normally that, that, uh, that people are going to say, hey, this is what I'm after. I'm going to go for having the deepest soul of all. This is my goal. It's not, normally people try to be other things, right? But can I just tell you that if you could, 
If you could spend your life trying to go and have a deeper, stronger, more fruitful soul, at the end of the day, you would not just bless your family. You would bless your family tree because of your, your soul. Now think about this for a minute before we dive into the scripture for the day. I was thinking about it. Growing your soul deep is a pretty awesome thing for a few reasons. Number one, it's, it's awesome because it's eternal. I mean, you can aspire to do human things and accomplish great human achievements, but at the end of the day, when, when, when it's all said and done and it all goes back in the box, those human achievements were just human achievements, right? But if you grow your soul deep, it pays in the next life that is to come, right? It's an eternal thing. Not only that, here's another one. If you seek to grow your soul deep, it's limitless. It doesn't have a capacity. You're not going to reach the edge and find out, well, I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish here, and now, now it's over. Growing a deep soul has phenomenal capacity, and it can go deeper and deeper and deeper in your relationship with God. But this may be the greatest one of all. Growing a deep soul is not something that you have to have an education or have certain amounts of money to do or be from the right family. It's available to everybody. Everybody in this room and beyond this room, on our, on our streaming podcast, anybody and everybody can grow a deep soul that will bless their family and their family tree. Now, what does a deep soul look like? You see that outline there in front of you, that opening scripture? Jesus said this was the number one greatest command. What does a deep soul look like? Jesus said this, Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I think this is what a deep soul looks like, to be able to get to that place where you say, I'm loving God with all that I have. But here's the question I want to pose to you today. How do I get there? How do I go deeper? How do I grow deeper? How do I, how do I push my roots further in my relationship with God? How do I really become a strong, strong, deep soul? How? Because I believe at the end of the day, your greatest legacy could be that scripture we just read right there. What if on your tombstone it said, he or she loved God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength? What if that was the legacy that you left behind? So today I'm going to talk to you about spiritual growth, and I'm going to talk about how you can really grow, grow, grow a deep soul. And I want to talk to you a little bit in the process as I move through about how I saw my mom grow, okay? Okay and how I saw her change in front of my eyes. So, first, fill in the blank. Got your pen? Let's talk about spiritual growth together. First thing we want to understand is that spiritual growth is a process in which God and I each have a part. Spiritual growth, first and foremost, is a process. doesn't happen overnight. It's going to be a process. It's going to take time. And then, not just is it a process, but God has a part, and I have a part. We each have a part. And we need to understand what God's part is and what our part is. So what's God's part right out of the gate? First one, right, fill in these two blanks real quickly. What's God's part? God's part is that he invites, and my part from the very beginning is that I will respond. God invites, and I respond. Now, let me pause right here for a minute. This is what you might call the the saving redeeming part of a spiritual growth process, okay? This is what you might even call the beginning phases of a spiritual growth process. If God is ever going to redeem your home, He's got to begin with a redeeming work in you, right? And the beginning place is what, what God does and what we do, and God is the inviter. He initiates and we respond. Now, this is, uh, this is a phenomenal truth. I would even call this the thousand-watt theological truth, okay? That God chose us, and He invites us first. Read this scripture with me. The Bible says in Ephesians 1-4, even before He made the world. Would you get your pen? Circle that word before in your outline there. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us In Christ, you might want to underline the words loved us and underline the word chose us. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his 
eyes. And just grasp this with me for a minute. See, because in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3, the first thing that God makes is not humans, right? The first thing that God begins to make, whether it be light or whether it be animals or the fish in the sea or the birds in the air, God keeps saying over and over again, right? He says the same thing over and over again. It's good. It's good. It's good. And then finally he creates humanity. And remember what he says there? Anybody remember? This is very good. Very good. All right. One of the things I think we lose sight of is because we didn't come first, we forget that from the very beginning, all the rest of that that he was making was for us. Let me say that differently. We forget that we, it, was, it was for us that God did all of that. That from the very beginning, the Bible says, before even the world was made, he chose us and he loved us. Now, if you could really get this, if a light bulb could go off on this thing, it would, it would begin to really help you understand how important your spiritual growth is. With need, it needs to be with God. God had you on his mind before he even spoke creation into existence. It's right there in the Bible. It says, before the world was ever made, he loved us. And he chose us. How cool is that? That before all of creation, we were on his mind. And that he invites us into relationship. So it's one more time, that reminder, right? This, this thing called following Christ is not about rules. It's not about rituals. It's not about religion. What's it about? It's about relationship. We were on his mind. Now, here's, here's part of what we need to understand about that. So when God finally births us and makes us, there's a vacancy inside of us. There's a hole inside of us. There's an emptiness inside of us. There's a vacuum inside of us that they can only be filled with God. And He's loving on us. His mind is on us. His attention and all of His affection is on us. But we can fill that vacancy with a lot of things. Have you noticed that, by the way? Have you noticed how you can start filling that void that was in your life? So many people have done it for so long. I was talking with a brand new Christian this week, and she talked to me about how she just lived a life that was so far, far, far from God, and she tried so many different things. And I thought about it. She tried so many different things. She was trying to fill the void in her. We can try it through entertainment. We can try it through drugs. We can try it through popularity. There's a lot of things we can try to fill the void or the vacancy or the vacuum inside of us, but really it can only be filled with God. So what's our part? God invites. He's the great initiator. God, it always starts with God. Then what can we do? We respond. We respond. The Bible says it this way in James 1, 21. Humbly welcome, or some translations will say receive, Humbly welcome or receive the word which has been planted in you and can save your soul. So the remedy to this longing that we have to be loved is really only ever found in God. This morning, I brought some seeds with me. Now, you can't see these seeds, um, and I don't even think I can pronounce the flower that it makes. Um, Gaylardia? Did I say that the right way? It looks like a Greek word. Uh, Gaylardia. These are Gaylardias. They're perennials. Now, inside this little packet of seeds are just seeds, right? They're never going to birth the flower. They're, by themselves, they're, ne- they're, they're not going to spring out of this package. They're not. They need a certain environment to grow. Let me say that differently. The seed needs to be planted. Here's the beautiful thing on this first step of what we're talking about, this redeeming, saving process of how God begins spiritual growth in our life. He wants to plant His seed inside of our hearts in our lives. One more time, that scripture. Humbly welcome or humbly receive the Word which has been planted in you and can save your souls. Some of us here, we've been on a long journey with God. And there's others of us, we can say, you know what, I, I'm not, not as long as this person sitting next to me, but I've been going for a little while. But I bet if we were really honest, some of us would say, you know what, I don't even think I've started my journey with God yet. And that's why we're talking about this opening step here. Because you can't have the kind of home that you really want to have. You can't live the life that God called you to live by filling that vacancy with other things, it's, it's responding to God and allowing God to plant His seed 
in our lives. Stephen, what's the seed? Well, first and foremost, the seed is his son. For him to plant his son, Jesus Christ, into our lives, give us the Holy Spirit, plant his spirit inside of us, plant his word inside of us, plant his work inside of us, then we can begin a growing process that you could have never done on your own. Receiving from God. Now, that's the first step. Remember what I said. Now, spiritual growth is a process, and it it involves both God doing his part and us doing our part. God's initial part is that he invites, and then what do we do? We have a chance to respond. Now, write this one down. What's the next step to growing deeper with God and having a deeper soul? God's part is he is found, and my part is I seek after him. God's part is he is found, and my part is I seek after him after him. Now, let me start off with our part first. Seek. That's an active word, by the way. All right? It's a verb. It means to pursue. It means to go after. If you're seeking something, then you are after it. You're on a course to go and get it. So when we're talking about spiritual growth, let me me ask you real quickly, real quick question. Are you seeking God? Are you really pursuing God? And I'd like to especially ask that for the ladies in the room. Are you really going after God? God, or are you seeking other things? That's a big question. There's a lot you can seek in this world. There's a lot you can go after really, really hard. I mean, you can go after money. You can go after a job. You can go after, you know, a prestige and people thinking a lot about you. You can go after a lot of big things. But what does it really mean to seek God and grow a deep soul? Look at this scripture with me from Psalm 27, 8. My heart says of you, this is a psalmist, right? He says, my heart's talking to me, so to speak. My heart says of you, seek his face. Whenever I, I read that scripture, I almost want to whisper that portion there. My heart says of you, seek his face. There's something deep inside of me that cries out to me, seek his face. And then what's the rest of that? Your face, O oh Lord, will I seek. What are you seeking after? I can I tell you from my mom? There was something that was paradigm shifting for my mom. My, my mom ran across a daily devotional. And um, I don't know whether any of you guys use this. Use this. It's called Guideposts. And uh, every year, Guideposts magazine puts out a little book. It's not a little book. It's a thick book with a daily devotional for every day. Now, my mom already did step number one when she was raising us. I knew my mom was a Christian. But I can tell you that there was a lot of other evidences that there was an old life there, right? The way she talked, um, the way she treated us sometimes, I mean, it was pretty rough. But my mom began this process of seeking God, and all of a sudden, I tell you, in my house, you'd see every day, either in the kitchen or in the living room, she left her Bible and her daily devotional, that little book there, that guidepost devotional there every day. And it began a process of her starting to meet with God every day. Did she change overnight? No, but you know what happened? My mom started to seek his face. My mom started to seek his face, and I started to see a change happen in my mom. And that little guidepost devotional became such a a habit, such a practice in her life, that do you know to this day, every Christmas, she gives every one of her children, every one of her grandchildren a guide. We get a brand new, I don't know how she affords it. I mean, there's a whole stack of these big books, and every child's going to get one for Christmas. Every grandchild is going to get one for Christmas because this book became the way, it became her way of connecting with God every day. Now listen, what doesn't matter is the way, okay, that you connect him with God. My mom's way was she found a book that was a daily devotional and it led her to her Bible and it became the way she got the word in her. The question for you is, how will you seek his face? What helps you seek his face? How, do you, how, can, how can you seek his face in a way that you're not seeking other things. Because here's the good news. You might want to write it somewhere in your notes somewhere. God wants to be found. He wants us to seek him, and he wants to be found. Now, in my home that I grew up, I'm sorry, the home that we were raising with Andrew, Abigail, and Alex, just like every other home, we played a lot of games. And uh, let me just take a real quick poll. How many of you who are parents, you remember playing hide-and-seek with your kids in your own house? Remember that? Remember doing that? It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? 
I mean, I, I, th- I thought about this week about what it was like to go play hide-and-seek in our house because there were these great hiding places. And, and even as I think about it, you think about the hiding places that you like to do with your kids. I mean, I would go get in the shower. Have you ever done that one before? You go get in the bathtub, and you pull the shower just far enough where they can't see this edge, but they can walk in the room, and they can see that part, and they think nobody's in the shower, right? And then, you know, you're sitting there, you're hiding, you're waiting. You ever pulled that one before? How about the one, have you ever done this one before, where you hide behind the pillows of the bed and you stack all the pillows against you? You ever been there? You were, on the, you were on the post of the bed laying down like this and all the posts are against you and they come in and they don't see you, you know, until maybe they begin to pull back some pillows. Can I tell you my favorite part of hide and seek was not finding the place, it was waiting for them to find me. You know what I'm talking about? And in our case, normally, whenever they found me, Dad was going to chase them, right? So whenever they found Dad, it was like, ah, and then they would go running, and I would go run after them. That was our practice in the house, right? But can I tell you, those were phenomenal moments when we played hide-and-seek, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally they found me. Let me say that a little differently in our situation. I, I can't speak for everybody here, but I'm going to speak for myself. I did not like hiding so well that they couldn't find me. That kind of destroyed the game for me. Have you ever done that before where you hid so well and they almost wanted to give up? Can I teach you something about God? I want you to understand about God. God wants to be found. Okay? Some people misunderstand God. They think God hides so well that he just never wants to be found. And can I just tell you that destroys the game for God? God wants you to seek him. In the most wonderful way, wonderful way God wants you to seek after him. He wants you to look for him. And he wants to be found. He loves that moment when you find him, when you discover his presence. What are we talking about here? We're talking about spiritual growth. We're talking about God's part is being found. What's our part? Seeking after God. Read this with me. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14, you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. He gives us this picture of who God is. He wants to be found. Now, real quickly, I mentioned my mom to you, okay? And her, her practice of her daily devotional. Here's how this looks in a spiritual growth place. If you're really going to grow deep in your soul, here's what that looks like. It, it looks like seeking and finding God routinely and regularly, okay? Hey, Fred and Sandy, would y'all just... I know I didn't ask you. Just stand up here for just a minute. How long have you been married? 35 years these guys have been married. They just celebrated their anniversary in Hawaii. Yeah. You make us look bad. Now we all got to go to Hawaii. Anyway, um, real quickly, uh, 35 awesome years. Now, now, let me just, I want you to get this picture. I'm just going to use these guys as a metaphor, all right? Fred and Sandy love each other. And, and God, put, God put them together. Now, you know like I know that life gets busy sometimes, right? And I bet they have days, just like everybody else, where they're like ships passing in the night. You know what I mean? Y'all ever had those moments, right? How you doing? Doing once. She said once. Uh, How you doing? Doing fine. Shoom, 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 right? Can I tell you what you already know? I'm going to tell you something you already know. They're not going to grow closer like that. They're not going to go deeper like that. They're not going to love each other more when they're passing like that. What's it going to take for them to really grow deeper? Write these three words down if you have your your notes, because it really comes down to three simple things. If you want to go deeper in your soul, it goes down to three simple things. Alone, write that word down. Fred, that means no kids around, okay? Alone, just the two of us, right? Unhurried, write that word down. Unhurried. And then write this down, word, write that word, just the word, word, write that down. You know, like I know, that every moment that Fred and Sandy get alone time, unhurried time, and they get to share some words with each other, that's what draws, that's what magnets their hearts together, that's how they go deeper. You know what I'm talking about? Do you agree? Isn't that how it happens? That's how it happens, guys. And when we pass like this, we're not going to go deeper. But when all of a sudden, this relationship is a kind of microcosm of our God relationship, 
when we get alone, unhurried time and we get words together, we can go deeper. Thank you, guys. Can I tell you that's exactly what happened to my mom? Can I tell you my mom started getting some alone, unhurried time in God's Word? And I began to see her life change right in front of my eyes. You know what? Alone, unhurried time in God's Word will begin to grow you deep in ways you didn't even believe were possible. And it's not going to happen with you just running, you know, like mad in a crazy rat race world. That's not how you grow a deep soul. It's not how you grow a deep soul. It's getting with God. How many times have I talked about a chair, 15 minutes, and a Bible? It's getting with God, having some alone time, some unhurried time, and getting in His Word. What are we talking about here? Spiritual growth is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. But God's got his part, and I've got my part. God's first part is he invites me into a relationship. My part is I respond, and his seed is planted down inside of me. The seed of Jesus, his spirit, his word, his work is planted in me. The second part is I begin to seek after him. I look for those alone moments, those unhurried moments, that time where I can get in His Word. I begin to seek after Him. I begin to look for Him. I look for Him and look for Him and look for Him. And I'm looking for Him, and I begin to find Him. I begin to find Him, and we are in this relationship together. I like to think of this part in the seed process as the part where there's nothing above the ground yet, you know? And it's all germinating underneath the ground. It's got the right soil, it's got the right fertilizer, it's got the right oxygen and nitrogen, it's got, it's got all the right water, it's got all the right stuff, and it's growing up, and it's growing down, and it's changing, deepening. You want to grow a deep soul? Growing a deep soul is getting some alone, unhurried time with God's Word. What's another step for growing deeper? Let's take it to another level. Write this one down. God's part, my part. God's part is that he teaches me. And my part is that I learn. So God becomes my teacher. He becomes my, my master tutor. And I am learning from him along the way. Now, before we read the scripture for here, can I just pause for a minute? And can I get you to put on, put on your imagination, your spiritual imagination cap? Can you imagine for a minute what it was like to live and walk and talk and be with Jesus? Jesus was a master teacher. He's teaching all the time. Sometimes he was teaching massive crowds, but even while he was teaching the massive crowds, he was teaching his closest friends, right? And then other times, he was teaching just small groups of people. He was teaching them about the kingdom of God. And then one day, Jesus looked at them, and he said, hey, guys, I have a little news break for you. I am not going to stay with you. I'm about to give my life for the world. He didn't say it quite like that, but he painted the picture that he was going to give his life and he's going to go away. And they said, no, Jesus, don't go away. Where will we be without you? And Jesus said, but here's the deal. I'm going to send my spirit to you. And my spirit will come alongside you and even come into you. And my spirit will not only be the comforter and will comfort you, but he will teach you in all things. Read that scripture with me real quickly. The Bible says that uh, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, John 16, he will guide you into all truth. So the question is, who is our guide now? Well, our guide is the Holy Spirit. The spirit of Jesus lives in me. Now, what is his part? His part is the teacher. My part is to learn. So what does that look like? That means that I'm going to hit a bunch of roadblocks and question marks, and I'm not going to know where to go in my life, and I have a guide. I've not been left alone. I have a teacher, right? The Holy Spirit of Jesus is inside of me. Now, my job if I'm going to grow a deep soul is to become a very, very good student. God, what college am I supposed to go to? Please show me your way. Who am I supposed to marry? What job am I supposed to go? What, what career field do you want me in? And all along the way, our journey is to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit as our teacher and for us to become really, really good students and to learn. Now, let me pause here for a minute because this is going to kind of be a little different for you. I'm going I'm to share a scripture with you that most of the time a lot of people don't preach over, okay? 
In the book of Hebrews, Paul was writing to some people that were part of a church he had planted, and he was really upset with them. This wasn't one of those pat you on the back, hurrah moments. He was really upset with them. Why? Because they had gotten distracted, they had started wandering, they started drifting, and they were no longer seeking after God. And here's what Paul said to them. Paul said, you know what? By now, you've been a Christian, you've been a follower of Christ long enough, by now, you ought to be teaching others. But you know what? You're still sucking a baby's bottle. You've not grown up at all. Now, I don't, I don't have the whole scripture in front of you, but if you have the whole scripture, if you have a Bible in front of you, I'd invite you to read with me. It's found in the book of Hebrews, found in chapter 5. And I want you to hear what, what Paul was saying about these people who, who were really not pursuing growth in, their, in a deep soul at all. He says in, in, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, we have a lot to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are so slow to learn. Not a very nice note to get from him, is it? You're so slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil. What are you saying, Stephen? You know, the goal for you, the goal for me, is that I would grow a deep soul to the place where I have been learning so much from God's Spirit that I know the ways of my Father that I know what's good and right, what's holy, what's wicked, what's evil, what's righteous. That's the goal. One of my mentors said it this way. Track with me now. You follow me? One of my mentors said it this way. For a long time when I was young in the faith, I began to say, God, show me whether I'm supposed to go left or right. Track with me here, okay? Show me whether I'm supposed to... And I always depended upon God to say, left or right. And I would always say, okay, God, I'm not going to move until you show me left or right. And many times when I was young in my faith, that's exactly what God did. Because I was a baby and because I was young in my faith, he would often teach me, son, my way is left or my way is right. And he would teach me all along the way. And then my friend said something that was, it blew my mind at first. He said, you know what I've learned now that I'm older? Now that I'm older, he said, I begin to pray to God and I say, God, am I supposed to go left or am I supposed to go right? And you know what God says to me? God says to me, well, we've walked a long time together. What do you think? Instead of giving me the answer, he wants me to know the heart and the mind of my father because I've walked with him long enough. Hey, can I talk to every mom and dad and grandma and granddad in the house? Y'all know what I'm talking about? When your kids were young, you told them, yes, no. You can go there, you can't go there. You told them left and right, left and right. But there gets to be a point when our kids get a little older and we trust, we have spent so much time with them, we've invested in them, we begin to look at them and we begin to say, I'm not going to tell you left or right. I want you to trust the heart and the mind of your father, your mother, that we've taught you the right way and I want to invite you to walk in it. Are you, you grasping what I'm saying here, guys? See, the goal of growing a deep soul, the goal, goal of pushing your roots deeper and growing higher with God, the goal is that he would be a good teacher, which he always promises he will be, but that we would be good students. And Paul was upset with these people because, man, they were just like babies. They had, quit, they had stopped seeking his face, and it was just like it, it, they, they were not growing in the deeper things of God. I'm going to tell you, God's goal for you is that you would grow in the deeper things of God, that you become such a great student of God. You know, that's at the heart of what it means to be a disciple, right? A disciple is a disciplined one, one who is a follower, one who, is, who has regimen about their lives. We want to be faithful disciples, and it means we must be good students. Stephen, how do I, how do I become a better student? How do I become a, a more disciplined follower? Well, you already know the answer. But it's, it's quite simply this, practice, 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 practice. Practice what, Stephen? Practice listening to the voice of God. Practice following the voice of God. When you hear that little whisper of God, practice being obedient in that moment. 
practice, 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 practice. You know, one time I wanted to learn how to play the piano. And you know what I figured out? That when I sat down at the keyboard, it didn't just all come, you know? I, I, I had to learn the scales, right? I had to learn the scales. I had to learn them frontwards and backwards. And then I had to start learning little bitty songs. And then I had to start learning other songs. I had to learn my right hand first and then how to put my left hand with it. I had to learn. And you know what? It's gonna, it only comes with practice, practice, practice. Let me say it this way. You want to really, mom, grandma, grand, grand, uh, great-grandma, you want to really have a legacy that lasts and lasts and lasts for your kids? You want to have a deep, deep soul? Never give up your practice of listening for the voice of God and walking with God's voice and trying to give that voice to other people. You need to walk in that practice every day. And that's what I began to see in my mom's life. She began to try to practice her faith right in front of us. She wasn't perfect, but she began to practice her faith and over and over. And she practiced God's presence. She practiced God's voice in her life. She listened and listened and listened. Just one more thing I want you to write down. Write this one down. One more step of spiritual growth, and this is important because if you don't understand this one, it can block or even stunt your spiritual growth. God's part is when we go through the tougher seasons, when we go through the winter seasons, when when times get tough, He brings good out of evil. But what's our part? To endure even in the tougher moments, in the tougher seasons of life. Stephen, why are you sharing that? Listen, You can be growing big with God. You can be growing deep with God. You can have a soul that's pushing further and further to be a a strong, deep soul. And then all of a sudden hit a hard moment in life. And you can get angry at God. You can get bitter at God. You can, all kinds of things can happen. But here's what I I want to warn you about. All those moments can, they can stymie you from your pursuit of God. They can stymie you from your growth for God. They can get you to stop seeking God's face instead of seeking it even further. When I was 20 years old, um, I was in college, a sophomore in college, and we found out that my dad had the second fastest spreading cancer known to humanity. We had three months with my dad. The great news is he gave his life to Jesus Christ in that three months, and I'm so thankful for that. But can I tell you, all of a sudden, this all-American family, the biggest, greatest, hardest, wintry tests hit our world. Our dad. Dad wasn't the spiritual leader of our home, but he was the leader of our home. My mom was our spiritual leader. But when God pulled my dad away, all of a sudden, we were going to see what our family was made of. You know, I think about my mom in that moment. Can I tell you that my mom did not let that thing stunt or stymie her growth? It didn't make her waver in her faith. It caused her, watch this, it caused her to draw closer to God because she felt like she needed God more than ever. You know, when you go through the hardest moments of your life, God has a part, and you have a part, okay? What's God's part? God promises that He's going to bring good even out of the the worst evil and and hardship you're ever going to face. Here it is in the Scripture. We talk about it all the time. I want to read it this morning. Right out of the book of Romans, it says this. uh, Romans chapter 8, and we know that in all things, all things, we know that in how many things? I I didn't see some mouths move. We know that in... All things God works for the good of those who love Him have been called according to His purpose. So what's God's part? He is always going to bring good out of evil. Does that make it even any easier? No, no. Death and, hard, death and cancer and hardship, it, it's all painful, okay? But the promise is that God will bring good out of even the worst. Now what's our part? Our part is to endure in the middle of it when you're going through your hardest moment of your life, to endure and understand that God will win the day even in the hardest moment. I was thinking about it this morning. You know, how do you go deeper in the winter? How do you go deeper in the harder moment? How do you go deeper when the times are its toughest? You understand the bigger picture of God and you understand that God is working His work even in those moments that it's, it's, life is at its toughest. Let me say that differently. You endure what you thought you couldn't endure. You go through what you thought you couldn't go through. You make it day after day when you wanted to crawl up in a little fetal position and quit. That's how you keep moving forward. You endure. And then you, you know what? One day, one day you look over your shoulder and you realize, you know what? 
because I kept walking with God through the hardest time, because I drew closer to God through the hardest moments of my life, evil did not win. Wickedness did not have the last word. Death did not have the last word. Cancer did not have the last word. I kept moving forward with God, and I endured what I thought was unendurable. And I walked with God through the middle of it all. See, here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're, in those moments of the winter, your soul can actually grow its deepest. Your deepest because those hard moments cause us to trust God and pull closer and seek His face if you will allow them to. There are some folks that when they go through the hard moment, they pull away from God. There's some moments they, they go through the hard moment and their, their growth is stunted. In the name of Jesus, not so with us. You know, everybody in this room, can I promise you something about you? You're going to go through a hard moment. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. What's his role? His role is that he will bring good out of even the worst of evil. What's my role? To endure. Listen to this scripture from Colossians 1.11. We pray that you've had the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It's the strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy. That's what it means to triumph over evil. That's what it means to get stronger and deeper, even in the winter times, to hold out. You know, if I could just, if we put a microphone up here today, and I said, tell me the story of the hardest moment in your life. Tell me the story where you went through the winter months and how God met you there and how you grew deeper. You tell me, can you imagine how many stories would be shared through this room here today of how many people would say, you know what? Yeah, here's my moment. Here's where I endured the unendurable. Here's where I waited it out and I trusted God to show up. Here I was patient and I knew that God was going to win the day. Story after story after story of how God will grow us a deep soul even in the harder moments. Now, let me ask you a question. You might be sitting here today saying, Stephen, okay, so where do I go next? I, I feel like I may have been one of those stunted ones, and I've not been growing, or maybe I've not been seeking after God like I wanted to seek after God. I want to give you a couple of words from Scripture. We're going to close down, okay? Flip your outline over. A couple of questions. A couple of questions real quickly to, to give us the big picture. Let's go back out of the big picture for a minute. The first one is this. What happens when I stop growing? What happens? The Bible gives us a picture in Jeremiah of a person who's growing and a person who's not. Let's look at the person who's not first, all right? Jeremiah chapter 17, a picture of a person who's not growing. This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for their future. They will live in the barren wilderness on the salty flats where no one lives. I hope when I even read that, I hope you... Hear Clint Eastwood music in the background. Wah, wah, wah. You know, and you see the little dust thing flying across. That's the picture of what it looks like in our lives when we're not growing, right? And by the way, these words were spoken by Jeremiah. They were the prophet's words to God's people who were far away. They were in rebellion. They were after other things. They were after other idols. They weren't after God. God said, this is what you're going to look like. You're going to look like a shunted little shrub in the desert, blowing around. Here's the answer. Write that one down. What does it look like when we don't grow? It's hopelessness. It's aimlessness. It's wandering. It's drifting. This is what our lives look like. We're moved from one thing to something else to something else, and we're not really growing deep souls that God planned us to grow, all right? And you're certainly, listen, when you're not growing, you're certainly not going to bear fruit. Now, what does it look like? Here's the second question. What does it look like when I dare to grow a deep soul? From that same prophet, let's listen to his words, okay? Jeremiah, but, but, there's a big old but, hallelujah. But, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank whose roots that they reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. There's those hard times, right? Their leaves stay green, and they go right on producing delicious fruit. Fill this out. When you will grow, 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 and grow a deep soul, you will produce fruit in every season of your life. You will continue to produce fruit for your family and your family's family. You will produce fruit in every season. Stephen, what kind of fruit? 
Well, I don't have it in, in the, uh, I, don't, I don't have it, you know, right there for you to read from. But Galatians 5 tells you that you can, you can grow fruit, fruit that looks like love, joy, love and joy, peace. You want more peace in your home? Patience. Do you want to be that kind of person who is so patient? Gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Can I just tell you, my mom was a person that didn't have a lot of love, didn't have a lot of joy, didn't have any peace, didn't have a, a, I won't even say the word, yes I will, she had no patience, right? She had no patience. And then I saw God's fruit start to really get into her life as she started to grow up with God. And my mom began to be a person of a lot more patience, a lot more trust, a lot more gentleness, a lot more faithfulness. My mom transformed into a different person. And here's what I, here's what I know. It didn't happen overnight. It was a process. God has his, his part and she had her part. But she began to bear fruit, fruit that even lasted in even the hardest season of our lives. That can be your life. And it really comes down to this. You have two choices. You want to be a person who's not growing? Wah, wah, wah. Or you want to be a person who's actually bearing fruit in every season of your life. You have a part to play, and he has a part to play. Now, when I was a young Christian, we're going to invite our children in just a second. When I was a young Christian, I ran across a scripture that I want to close out with today because it's a promise. And you got your pen? Here's the guarantee, all right? God, if God began a good work in you, he's going to keep it up. Write this one down, the guarantee. God will finish what he starts. There's a guarantee, guys. When I ran across this scripture, Philippians 1.6, and I am convinced, and I am sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up until the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. God, if he began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. Can I just tell you that on my days where I feel like I've fallen and messed up and I feel like a complete failure, I have to go back to that scripture. And I have to just say, God, remind me that you're gonna, what you start, you're going to finish. And that the good work you began in me one day is going to be completely finished in me. And by the way, that's not just Stephen's promise or guarantee. That's Shanda's too. That's Michelle's. That's Penny's. That's Jean's. That's your promise. That's your promise and your guarantee. Let me go back to these little seeds. You see this little packet of seeds? Final couple of thoughts. God's plan for these seeds when he made them was not that they would stay in a little package. His plan for these seeds that they would be planted and they would grow to be fruitful and bear and be beautiful, right? Now, you have a choice. You have a choice. Will you seek after other stuff or will you seek his face? Will you really grow a deep soul? Or will you kind of stay in that place of what Paul might call babydom, you know, or stunted growth? I want to challenge every lady in in this place. I mean moms and grandmoms. I mean daughters. I mean young daughters. I want to challenge every lady in, these, in this place. I want you to think about your soul and your life. And I want you to realize that you have no idea, no idea how much impact your deep soul can leave. You just don't know. Go after it. You have to choose it. It will not happen by accident. It takes practice. It takes work. It takes some alone, unhurried time with God's word. But I want to challenge you to go after a deep soul because it can change your family and it can change your family's family and it can change your family tree. Hey, our children are going to come in and as they come in, uh, we're going to do something. We're going to hand every lady out a package of seeds. And there's a couple of scriptures on this little package of seeds. Where are our youth? Are going to help us out? Are they here somewhere? Our youth are here? All right. And um, as they hand out these packages of seeds, Here's the deal. Every lady gets one, okay? Every lady. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter, uh, doesn't matter anything. If you're a lady, you get one of these, all right? If you're a young lady, you can have one as well. This is our little gift to you. 
And as our children come in in the next few minutes, you guys are going to have to hurry. You're going to have to hurry. Move, move, move. Uh, go, go, go. Um, our children are going to come in, and we're going we're gonna to pray for our ladies. Got a lot of seeds to hand out really quick. Walk fast. Thank you. While we're waiting on our children, I just want to read that scripture that's there on those seeds. For as the earth bursts with spring wildflowers, and as a garden cascades with blossoms, so the Master God brings righteousness into full bloom and puts praise on display before the nations. You know, at the end of the day, your soul is not just for you, and it's not just for your family. The whole world can see the fruit of your deepening soul before God. Hey, children, come on in. Hey, moms, dads, would you flag down your kids? Come on in. Come on in. Find mom and dad. There you go. Hey, as our children are finding their moms and dads, did every lady get one of these? If you need another package of seeds, just raise up your hand. I see. All right. Hey, everybody, would you stand with me? Let's stand together. Now, if you're right close to one of those ladies, it'd be good right now to pray over them, okay? Maybe grab hands of somebody or maybe put a hand on a shoulder there. Because we're going to pray over the ladies in our lives. All right? Hey, Bella, come here. You can go stand. Hey, come here. Come here. Her mama's playing the keyboard, and I want her to be able to pray over her mama this morning. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, before I pray, I just pray that this is a very blessed Mother's Day for you. And I pray favor and blessing over every lady here. Would you pray with me now? Father, we thank you so much for the good work that you've started in, in so many of us, if not all of us. And I just pray, in line with Philippians, that the good work that you have begun in us, you will continue it on to the day of completion. You're not going to give up. You're not going to start something and not finish it. You're going to grow us deep. And Lord, I pray for every, every lady, every, every young lady, every older lady in this place, and I pray for every man who's heard God's word today that we together would hear this clarion call that you are a God who wants to be found and you want us to seek you with our whole heart. Help us to pursue you actively. Help us to get some alone, unhurried time with you and your word. And I pray you'd grow us deep, God. Grow us so deep that we have a profound impact that we don't even understand and we cannot comprehend over our family and over our family's family and over our family tree. And I pray for every person in this place today here, Lord. I pray they may be able to say of us one day that we loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, that we went hard after you, O oh God, and we grew a deep soul. Thank you, O oh God, for your presence in this place this morning. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would give every family here a blessed Mother's Day. Go with us, God, now, and help us to shine for you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Harvest Point. Happy Mother's Day to you.